And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. We are here. You can depend upon us in the year of the coronavirus and all the other uncertainties. You can depend upon Soapy Dollar. We're going to be here uh, unless something takes us out, right? It's Soapy. That means it's clean. Uh, That's right. I'm (laughs) – wash your hands with soap and water. That's that's how I got that nickname, you know, uh, how many years ago. I was a five-year-old kid. I was sent to an orphanage. And the first thing they told me today on my to do on my first day there, they said it's time for lunch. Go wash your face and hands. And so um, I did. I was with the the smaller children. We all lived in one. Uh, it was a home for homeless and delinquent boys. And they put all the children eight years old and under. And I was only five at the time. They put us in a dorm by ourselves uh, instead of in the the bigger dorms with the bigger boys. And uh, so they said, wash your face and hands. And I did. And then they would always stand us in the line. And we had to show them our hands and that we had washed ourselves. And when they got to me, they um, noticed that in my haste and my nervousness as a five-year-old little boy in a new place, I had left soap behind my ears and on my neck. And they called me Soapy. My real name on the birth certificate is New Man Dollar. I'm a new man. <laughs> I became a new man in Christ later on. But uh, they had determined that children and boys at the ranch, that li- at the time I went, there were 85 boys. During the 12 years I lived at this ranch, it grew to 400. So I was there during years of major development and growth. But at the time, there was 85 boys, and they had noticed already that kids that had unusual names, like, you know, I don't know, Ebenezer uh, <laughs> or, or 
I don't know. Uh, now, somebody, first thing I call I'm going to get tonight is from a guy named Ebenezer. He's going to say, don't make fun of my name. I would never make fun of anyone's name. When your name is Soapy Dollar, you don't do that. But anyway, they found out that kids with, with unusual names tended to get in a lot of fights. And so uh, they had determined already they were going to give me a nickname, and they uh, gave them their excuse, and they called me Soapy. And I never was able to lose that name. I was called Soapy ever since I was five years old. And um, that's it. You're, you're just among the very few people in the world today who know my real name, New Man Dollar. But anyway, well, so we started. Oh, we started with the old uh, washing our hands. <laughs> that's right. I don't know how I got off on that. Welcome, everyone, to the Bible Live, the quiz show, the, pro- the program where we read through and study through and comment our way through this book of books, the Bible. 66 different books, actually, a library of books, uh, 39 books in what we call the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and 27 in the New, starting with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we're reading through. Every year we read through them, and our reading schedule has us this week reading uh, the, basically the book of Second Samuel. From chapter 2 through chapter 21. We don't quite get to the very end, but we're reading through the book of Second Samuel. And we'll, we'll comment about that and talk about it and take your phone calls if you have a question or a thought about the passage itself. Or maybe some of you have a question or thought about these incredible times that we're living in. Uh, you know, we read in the Bible a number of times, or even David one time uh, made a mistake he uh had the people counted he called upon the one of his generals to carry out a census where they count the people around the nation and by the way that's going on in our nation right now as well isn't it and because of that he didn't follow the directions of the lord he received a punishment and and one of the punishments was a plague uh that would come uh, an illness that would take the people. So we kind of we're sensitive to these things. The Bible is not uh, the Bible is not a stranger to many of the difficulties and problems that we run into, even in the twentieth twenty first century here, many many centuries later. But anyway, maybe you'd like to give us a call. I'd love to hear from you tonight here on the Bible Live. Our phone number is two ten. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Yeah, there it is. Two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. And I'd love to hear from you. I'd like to hear how you're weathering the storm, folks. How's it going for you and your family? How is it doing with your work, uh, with your oh no, with your health? Even I would love to hear from some of you. Um, sometimes when I'm thinking about this coronavirus and I'm thinking about what we're going through right now, this extremely unusual. Um, first time, I guess, first time in the, in the history of our nation, right? I'm, I mean, we've had the illnesses. I know there have been polio, and there was there's flu, uh, the flu season every year, and so on. But here, we've had uh, Ebola, uh, Ebola. Yeah, we've gone through a few of these, but this has been one that has really uh, been taken maybe f- far more seriously. Would you say than some of the others that they or had far more devastating effect? Uh, more upheaval, more uh, inter- interruption of our national life, and we're still right, I guess, right in the middle of it. It's not; it's clearly not over yet. And uh, I wouldn't mind hearing uh, from you. 
about what is happening in your world and your experience, uh, what's on your mind as you pray to God for our nation. What do you think God might be doing? What do you think? Is it possible God would use this in a positive way for our nation? Uh, for our world even. So uh, if you'd like to sound off and give us a thought, I'd love to hear from you. This is a program where uh, we invite you, the listener, to sound off, to tell us a little bit from your experience with God, with your experience with with the Scriptures, with God's Word, and uh, your understanding of what's going on in our world. I'd love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. Let me see now. Is there anything else before we get right on into our passage tonight from the book of 2 Samuel, uh, chapters 2 through 21, uh, almost to the end of the book? And by the way, we read Psalms uh, 61 through 65 as well. Psalms 61 through 65, those are, are some of our what we call our wisdom and worship readings this past week. And... Uh, there's one in Psalm 62 that was particularly, I think, uh, relevant and applicable to these times. It it calls on us in Psalm 62. The the lesson there is to wait patiently or quietly on the Lord. And uh, boy, that's what we're having to do these days. And we're doing a whole lot of waiting going on down here. And we're wait patiently and quietly. And we have no real option as to whether we will wait or not. We all have to wait. That's not an option. The option is, will you wait on the Lord? Are you making the Lord himself the object of your waiting? Instead of waiting from that check from the U.S. government or waiting on uh, President Trump to do something or waiting on the mayor of our city or the governor of our state or waiting for other people to do things – and that we do. I mean, things are going on. We live in the real world here. But ultimately, our hope is in the Lord, and we are waiting patiently and quietly on Him. And I hope that you have that quiet assurance and certainty tonight in your life that God is indeed on the throne, that God is indeed directing this. You know, the Bible tells us in another portion in uh, Romans chapter 8, Verse 28, that there, uh, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes uh, and to his purpose. And so we, we, have to, we have to realize, and I hope you have come to understand this as a believer, that there is a, there's a conspiracy of circumstances at work in this world. Now, Everybody loves conspiracies, right? We we have a conspiracy every day or five or ten conspiracies every week that people uh, talk about conspiracies and what they, the famous they, are doing in our world and so on. So we're used to talking about conspiracies, but the Bible says that there is a conspiracy of circumstances at work on your behalf, in your favor, for your benefit in our world today if you love the Lord and are called according, and are one of his followers, you are a child of God. You come by faith into the relationship with God through Jesus, the Messiah. And so the point is, is that we can wait patiently and quietly if he is the object of our waiting. Now, if you're waiting on President Trump or you're waiting on Soapy Dollar or, or you're waiting on some other thing, uh, you may not be so patient or so quiet. 
but that's a wonderful lesson that comes to us from Psalm 62 for our readings this past week. Now, in that particular psalm, and in many of the psalms of David, uh, that's who we've been reading about in our uh, reading, particularly through the book of First Samuel. Uh, First Samuel, we, we read about the life and times of King Saul, and now David has taken the throne of Israel. Remember this young shepherd boy? We met him when he was about maybe 12 to 14 years of age. Uh, he is the eighth son of of, uh, of a family of Jesse. We we began to read a little bit about him in the future tense, in the past at least, in the book of Ruth, when we read about Ruth and Jesse. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Ruth and Boaz, his, um, his great-great-grandparents, or great-great-great-grandparents. I'm not which one, sure which one I get that straight. But we read about him, but they were they were the... Uh, forebearers, the ancestors of this one named David, the son of Jesse from the city of Bethlehem, uh, known as the city of David. And uh, we, we, in many of the Psalms, David complains to God and he asks protection from the enemies that would betray him and conspire against him. And we have begun to see that many of the um, Psalms that David wrote, these poems, these songs that he may have even put to music, I'm not sure. But um, he was really talking about experiences that he had. He really did have enemies uh, that betrayed him and conspired against him. Uh, there was the first king, Saul, who who pursued him and, and wrongfully accused him, falsely accused him of things, and threatened to kill him and tried to kill him. Uh, Saul, there was um, Michael, who was, remember, his first wife was Saul's daughter. He won her through a feat uh, of bravery and courage in battle, and he won the hand of Saul's daughter in marriage. Then there was Absalom, his own son, who conspired against him. Uh, Joab, uh, the opposing general that worked against him, and so on. So David was a, he had many enemies. He lived in a world of politics, for one. And boy, what an ugly, ugly world, the world of politics. Now, even though David didn't live in a representative democracy, he didn't live in a republic like we live in today. They didn't go to the to the polls and and vote uh, for who was going to be their leader. Uh, he still had to deal with political realities. There, there was the reality of he needed the support of the people, and there was always someone waiting in the wings to attack him and to usurp his power in some way to undermine him. And so um, David has to ask for protection from enemies that would betray him, apart from just foreign enemies and uh, foreign leaders that conspired and, and attacked his country or uh, maybe diseases or maybe famines or, you know, the the uh, economy. David had to deal with all of these things as well. And so we're, let's get into the life of David from the book of Second Samuel. We'll pick up uh, Saul has passed. He has died. Uh, he and his sons, all three of his sons were killed in battle by the Philistines. And, and now at this time, uh, Judah... The tribe in the south, Judah and Benjamin, they they crowned David as their king 
and but he has to wait for seven and a half years later. And we see that in Second Samuel chapter five. Uh, finally, David is crowned king of Judah and Benjamin, but he has to wait for seven years and six months later before the other tribes join him, join in in crowning him the king of all the tribes of Israel. Now, so David had to wait there. H- how many years? Do any of you know how many years did David have to wait? From the time he was crowned king of all Israel, remember Samuel visited his father's household in Bethlehem, uh, his father Jesse. Samuel went and he met all of his brothers, older brothers, all of them big and strong. Three of them were in the military. And, And Samuel met them all. And I guess it was Jesse's expectation that Saul had come to crown one of them to be the next king of Israel. But then uh, he saw all of those seven, and he says, no, none of them is it. The Lord hadn't pointed him out. Uh, do you have another, any other children? And he says, well, I have one other son. He's out in the fields watching the sheep. David, uh, in fact, was a shepherd without a, without a doubt. So when he, walked, when he wrote the famous Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, he wasn't writing from just pretty poetry. He is writing from his own life experience as well. And so they went and got David out in the shepherd, out in the fields. They brought him in, and, sa- and the Lord told Samuel, this is the one. And there was a famous thing he said at that point. He said, don't look on the outward you know, you you men, you look on the outward, uh, uh, the outward appearance, how tall they are, how handsome they are, are they this, are they that, and so on. You look on the outward, do they speak well? But I look in the heart. Uh, and that's a very, very interesting passage that we have. But God looked at the heart, and he uh, called and told Samuel, this is to be the next king of Israel. But he had to wait a lot of years I wonder if anyone out there happens to know how many years did David have to wait before he became and was crowned king of all Israel. If you'd like to give us a call, I'd like to hear from you, 210-340-9585, if you know the answer to that question. Now, uh, let's see where we could go. He married uh, Michael. Now, he enters into this very... It was a very political time. He was crowned king of Judah and Benjamin, but then uh, the uh, Saul's son um, Ishbosheth uh, was in the north, and Abner was his general. And he had to negotiate and wait and see what would happen. And uh, he only demanded one thing when he talked to them about making peace. And being uh, in negotiating peace and becoming the king of all Israel, he wanted Saul's daughter, Michael, returned to him as his wife. She had been taken from him and actually married to another man. Uh, and David wanted her returned to him as his wife, which is an interesting thing. That's something we don't know a lot about in this time, in this era, which we live. Uh, we don't you know, have you know, multiple wives at the same time, at least. Uh, we do have uh, uh, we we do have um, polygamy, but it's uh, sequential polygamy. We don't have a polygamy married to the same husband or wife at the same time. So um, Saul's and his commander reject they reject uh, 
Abner, Saul's military commander, rejects David, and he supports the lone su- surviving son Ishbosheth as king of Israel. And then uh, Ishbosheth is killed, ass- assassinated by two of his own people, Rechab and Baana. And David didn't even reward them. Isn't that's that's one of the most interesting things about David? He had he had at least two opportunities to kill uh, Saul. The king, and he knew that he was to be the next king of Israel. He had already been anointed. Samuel had already announced that, and he had two chances to kill Saul. Saul, who was who had made himself David's enemy, who was falsely accusing him, who was attacking him, and chasing him all over all over Israel and 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 countries outside of Israel to try to kill him and so on. And David had two chances to kill. Saul, but didn't do it. Didn't have. Would not touch the Lord's anointed. He wanted. He wanted God's will, but he wanted God's will done in God's way. And so uh, we see that same thing here. Uh, David did not reward the two men, uh, Rechab and Baana. This is in chapter four of Second Samuel. He didn't award them by, you know, oh, you killed uh, Ishbosheth, you killed my competitor for the throne. Good for you. You know, here's a reward. In fact, he, they were, uh, they were executed for for killing, for murdering Ishbosheth in his sleep, and so uh, they were punished. Not, not, I guess what these guys didn't know is that David kind of marched to a different drummer. He wasn't in the world of of um, revenge and getting back and making things happen in his own power and his own strength and his own way. He was about waiting and letting God do things his way uh, and in his time. What? That's an amazing lesson for us uh, as believers today. How many times we rush off and try to get things done in our way, in our time, and and uh, in our wisdom and understanding, and we we often mess up and, and have to regret some of those decisions if we were to just wait upon the Lord. There's that, that phrase again, wait upon the Lord. Let him do things his way in his time. So uh, David did that, but after Saul's death, Judah crowned David their king, and then about seven and a half years later, he is crowned king by all the tribes of Israel. He captures Jerusalem I said a while ago that Bethlehem is called the city of David, but David, uh, one of the first things he does as the king of all of Israel is he captures this this city. Uh, It was the city of the Jebusite people. There was a a tribe that lived there, a a tribe of people, not, uh, not Israelites, not Jewish people, but he captures from them and makes Jerusalem... His city. It's afterward. It's called the, the city of Zion or the city of David, uh, as well. It's called, um, but he makes Jerusalem the capital of Israel. And uh, let's go on. Let's looking through who was the the a prophet. Now this is very interesting because these prophets that we read about in the Bible, uh, they were courageous people. They had to stand and shake their bony finger in the face of the king at time and face down the authority and the power even of the king and, and correct the king in the name of God and, and call upon the king to repent 
and to turn from his sin and to turn and trust in God and obey God. I mean, it was not an easy thing to do, uh, and they had to often do this. Now, there was a there, there was a prophet during David's reign that was most that was not just one, but there was one that was most identified with his idea of correcting David. He was had an intimate relationship, a friendship with David, but he was not afraid to to call him out and call him down and say, "You made a mistake. You know you." You did this wrong. And so I want you to tell me, if you can, who was that prophet that was uh, the one who um, who accused David even when he had committed his crimes of uh, adultery with Bathsheba and, and killing the uh, murder and the, and the death of Uriah the Hittite? Uh, who, who was the one that – David thought he got away with that. David had hidden that sin and maybe thought he had gotten away from it, away with it and was not going to be um, punished or not have to face any consequences. But this prophet of God called him out and confronted him with his sin. And I wonder if you know who was, what was the name of that prophet. Give you a chance to give me a call. If you know the answer to either of those questions, how long did David have to wait to be crowned king of Israel, uh, of all of Israel? And then who was the prophet that that called David out, courageously called him out, uh, and corrected him and even um, un- announced to him his punishment uh, for the sin he had committed. But the thing that made David a man after God's own heart, one of the things is not that he didn't make any mistakes. He made plenty of mistakes, big mistakes, but he was willing to be corrected. Uh, he was willing to confess his faults and his sins, mistakes to God, and he was willing by faith to receive God's forgiveness and to move forward. That is such an amazing privilege that we have as God's children to know that our sin is forgiven uh, by the by the redemptive work of the Messiah himself. Our sins are forgiven and covered without the shedding of blood. That's right. Without the shedding of blood, the even the Old Testament says there is no remission of sin. And so uh, we found that Jesus, God has made a provision for our sin. We can be forgiven, and we can move forward, uh, even through our mistakes. What an incredible privilege we have. Well, there's our music. Our first segment is under, is under the belt and in the can. So if you'd like to give us a call, 210-340-9585. The Bible Live will be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I was sure by now that you would have reached down and wiped our tears away. Stepped in and saved the day But once again I say amen And it's still This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar But as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm with you And as your mercy falls 
Praise Him in the storm, even in the darkness. We won't doubt in the darkness what He has shown us in the light. So I hope that's your experience. This is a bit of a storm. This is a bit of a difficulty. There's a lot of room for stress and fear and uh, concerns. Uh, I, I know in our family we have them as well. I'm in that elderly population. I've, I've got underlying health concerns and uh, so we're watching out and uh, two of our children have uh, lost their jobs and so we're kind of in this thing but you know folks it is true he the lord is our shepherd we're looking to him and he is going to make all things work together for good for his for him, his people uh, for our nation i i've heard predictions and i'm hearing uh words of hope across the nation. People are talking about the idea of a spiritual revival uh, maybe being one of the consequences of this virus, that people are, are they, now that they can't go to church, all of a sudden we, we miss being able to hear words of encouragement and hope and words of truth from God's Word, and uh, many people do. So maybe this will be something that would stir the people of God, those who know the true living God, and walk with him, maybe this would be something that would stir us to follow him. No, I was just going to say, some churches are putting their, uh, they're doing their messages on online. Sure. My, yeah. my sister posted about watching our church. We go to St. Luke's Episcopal, and they, they were doing their stuff online today. I think in some ways it seems to me that this virus and this circumstance is, is kind of put us on fast forward. In other words, we were already moving toward working from home and you know remotely working on in the internet and all of these um, uh, social media and these ways of interacting and connecting uh, with churches, with businesses, and so on. And now, now we've kind of put it on fast forward, and we're having to do it. And it, it's kind of, I, I think we we're kind of having to do things and function as we were probably moving toward anyway. Uh, and I'm, I'm guessing that when we come out of this, uh, we're going to be a very different nation. We'll have this experience to build on, and and you know everybody will have learned. Hey, you know we can keep in touch with each other this, this over the internet, and we can share experiences in Zoom. You know, have those those meetings, all of us together. We don't have to all come in the same building. But anyway, I don't know. Uh, that's just a, a thought that maybe this one of the good things that might come of this, but. The other more important thing is just the idea that is this going to be the thing that would cause us to come to the end of ourselves and our selfishness and our rebellion and our, against God as a nation, uh, as, as, particularly as the people of God in the nation, as believers, those who know and follow the Lord, uh, are we willing to humble ourselves and repent and turn from our sinful iniquities and our sinful ways and and turn to Him? That was a uh, a passage that was quoted in, in, by one of the pastors who is working with uh, with President Trump, one of the spiritual advisors that he has. And they were, I was hearing this week that they they quoted that passage as well. If my people, Second Corinthians five seventeen, if the, my people, he didn't say if people don't know God and the people who just everybody else. He's talking about those who claim to know God and 
called by his name, if we will humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven and will forgive our sin and heal our land. What, what an amazing promise uh, that is to us. And um, I've just done uh, on another program that I uh, broadcast from here in San Antonio, I host a program for Native American people all across uh, North America, all across Canada and the United States. We're on 400 stations across the U.S. where I speak directly to Native American tribes and people groups all across North America. And I just did a special program that we're sending out uh, this week to all of our Native American uh, listeners across the, the land. And uh, we talked about David's experience as a shepherd, uh, King David. I had been, of course, in First and Second Samuel now for a good while. And David figures prominently here in Second Samuel. And the idea that he... Uh, he, the Lord is my shepherd, he says. I will not want. I shall lack nothing. Uh, and uh, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he and uh, leads me beside steel waters, still waters. So it's uh, very interesting, these passages that, that come from the scriptures. They are relevant to the times in which we are living. There's no doubt about it. And we'll continue to talk about Second Samuel. We'll talk about the experiences of King David. He's a man who lived an incredibly full life. I mean, amazing full life. He, he was a musician. He was a poet. He was, you know, Mr. Everything. Uh, he was a great leader of men. He was a tremendous warrior himself. Um, evidently knew something about building. And <laughs> he, He's a remarkable individual. We'll come back and continue our conversation about David in just a moment. Let's go and visit, though, with one of our listeners. Leslie is on the line, and I so appreciate you calling in, Leslie. I was kind of wondering if anybody was out there. Oh, yes, I'm listening. I can't believe somebody else already didn't call with the answer. <laughs> so, Oh, good. Um, You're going to answer my question. That's wonderful. Well, I can, I can try. So uh, which one first? Let's take both of them. Let's say how long did David have to wait, how many years, before he was crowned king of all Israel? Uh, well, it was a mighty long time, uh, like around 15 years, I'm thinking. But I don't. Maybe a little longer, even. Do you do you remember how long it was? Remember, uh, God is kind of into this sort of thing. I think, Leslie, uh, re- remember that Abraham was told that he and his wife Sarah were going to have a child. That's one sure. of the big stories in the Old Testament as well. It's the same number of years that Abraham had to wait for his child, Isaac. It was 25 years. That's what I was thinking, but I didn't want to... Well, you were were kind of close because uh, actually it was was only, let me see, about 18 years before he was crowned king of Judah and Benjamin. But then he he was that for about seven and a half years, and then... He was crowned king of all Israel. But that's a long time to wait for God's promise. You know, when you, you're told you're going to be the king, and then you have to sit around and wait for 25 years for it to happen. Yeah. Have you ever had to wait on God to do something like important? Is there anything that stands out in your, your walk with the Lord and your experience where you really had to wait on something to, to happen? Yes, um, I don't really want to talk about it on the radio, uh-huh. but it was a very, very painful time. It was, well, a year, and then 
then a year after that for like healing. And I I think, you know, uh, you know, not necessarily physical healing, but um, mental healing from the situation that went on. And I know that God doesn't work on our time and, you know, it is. It's hard to wait on God. It's not like waiting on the microwave. Um, but there's there, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... We don't set the clock, do we? <laughs> no, but there's a lot of yeah. growing that goes on during that time. And, you know, while things are very painful while they're going on and we don't know the answer why, and sometimes, you know, God's silent during that time, but mm. you just have to keep doing the things, keep doing... <laughs> Trusting him and doing good. You know, that's, ex- you know? that's right. It it, it 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 may seem simple. I, I don't know. To me, I, it seemed very profound when I happened upon the thought that you know waiting is not an option. You know, there's a wonderful verse in Psalm. I'm mean, not Psalm. I think in Isaiah 40 or 41, which is "They that wait upon the Lord." It's a well-known. Ver- I think it's Isaiah yes. chapter 40. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Um, they shall they, walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. There you go. They, wait yes. upon, they that wait upon yes. the Lord. And I remember uh, oh, some years ago, someone pointed out that nobody, we don't have the option of whether we're going to wait or not. It, you know, and we preach on that verse and these other verses about waiting and, you know, it's it's the... The sermon we always hear about patience, right? Lord, please give me right. patience. Learn how to wait. And oh, I've learned not to never pay for, never pray for patience. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, right. no. And it's you a know, hard that's, lesson, right? Uh, it is. It's very, very hard, and um, you can really only understand it looking back because yeah. when you're going through certain situations, it's just it's very confusing, yeah. and um, it's only kind of after you get through it and you go, wow, you know, thank you, Lord, first for bringing me through this. And, you know, thank you for what you've taught me during this time, even though it was painful. And um, it it builds your faith for the next thing that's coming. You know, you don't know what's ever coming next. um, We're slow to to learn sometimes, but but the Lord is gentle and he's patient with us, but he's insistent. You know, what was it? C.S. Lewis once said that God loves us and accepts us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. <laughs> so this is a truth. He, he keeps right. working with us, keeps building us, and so on. And, and some of that takes uh, time. And, and, and it, there are lessons that only time and experience sometimes will teach us, I guess. You know? and, sure. But one of the big things, I think, is to wait, learn, make the Lord the object of your waiting. You know, we don't have an option about waiting but sometimes we waste a lot of time waiting on that check from Uncle Bob or waiting on this person to do that or waiting on this person or that person or this situation. And instead of making the Lord the object of our waiting, and like you said, waiting in the darkness, <laughs> sometimes yeah. a, a silence. But uh, if I make him the object of my waiting, I have found that I'm a little bit better because I, I've learned over time that he is trustworthy, that he exactly, he, will, exactly. He, he is there and he is working on our behalf in us, right. with us, and through us. You're so kind to give us a call, Leslie. I'm so glad to hear from you. Now, what was that other question? It was 25 years of this. And then the other question was, um, who was that prophet of God that God used to speak into David's life so courageously? That was Nathan. Good old Nathan. 
Yeah. I've always liked that name. I have some good <laughs> friends named Nathan, and I've all, I, I, I think I would have chosen that name for our boys. We decided to go with all of our family's name starts with S, so we we kind of got in a rut there. But I love the name Nathan just because it reminds me of Nathan seemed like a not only a man of God and, and, and but courageous, but a good friend, you know, and. Uh, I'd like to have a good friend who can say, Soapy, you know, you're really wrong there. You made a mistake. Uh, sometimes it's good to have a friend you can trust. What is it? The, the wounds of Speaking the truth in love. <laughs> yeah, speaking the truth in love, exactly. No. Well, you got it exactly right. You got one out of two, Leslie. That was good. Well, that's 50%. Yeah. I, I think the, the message, too, with David, you know, I think when you read the Bible, if, you, if you've never read the Bible before, you think it's just a bunch of stories about perfect people. But then you, you read about David, you read about the different people, and, and you yeah. find out they're all imperfect people. They're and just as messed up as we are. <laughs> exactly. And God loves imperfect people, yeah, yeah. and that's all he has to work with. Isn't that the hope that we get from the scriptures when we see God working with people that like us with, you know, their problems and their marriages and their friendships and with their brothers and sisters and their families and their communities and neighbors. And, you know, we see all these same problems that we have today. And yet the difference is God. You know, he's in the mix and he brings victory out of defeat. He brings life out of death. You know, it's. Uh, that, that's what I love about the scriptures is that seeing the same God of the Bible who's at work here in the life of David and Saul and Jonathan and, and, and later on in, in Solomon and all through the scriptures, difficult, mixed up people, but uh, he's at work in their lives as well. He truly is. Uh, Amen. Let me ask you one other thing. I'm, I'm sorry. To, I, I appreciate so much your calling. Uh, what are you doing like, these days with the coronavirus and all? Are you got any particular insight or thoughts well, about what we might what we're all kind of going through at this time well um my husband and i we've turned off the tv and we've gone outside and worked in the yard and pulled weeds um we've listened to our church service online uh-huh. and um what church is that um that's compass church sa oh, yeah, compass church sa.com uh-huh. yes yes i really feel like pastor aaron is preaching the truth from the word and and um so I think their their theme is um, love God and love people, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, they're they're really doing a good job over there. I think and, I've heard that before. Love the Lord your God with all your heart <laughs> and love others yes, as sir. yourself. Yeah, that's yes, sir. makes sense. But but you know, you go to the store. Uh, the other day, my husband and I went to the store, and of course, people were wearing gloves. And uh-huh. um, one gentleman, he even had a bag on his head. And I think you know, people are. Um, just experiencing a lot of fear right yeah, now, yeah, and yeah. really the only antidote for fear is faith. And one of my favorite verses is the Isaiah forty-one ten: mm-hmm. "Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Mm-hmm. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand." And there's so many promises in the Bible, mm-hmm. and I think this is a time you know the church can be the church. You know, we're not. We can't go to church, but we can check in on our neighbors. Um, you know, we can ask people what they need. You know, if if somebody is, is suffering, we can see right. something, and we can fill that need. We can uh, 
just uh, speak hope into people. And I think, you know, we don't have the answers, but God has the answers. And so when we give them the word, um, his word, that's that's the sword of the spirit there. And even if people don't know God, this is a time where we can give them his word and um, let them know, yeah, that God loves him. God's in control. You know, he'll... He'll have his way through this, and he'll take care of us, you know, and we, if we're in sin, we need to just uh, turn from that and trust him. Easter's coming up, you know, that's, that's, right. that's the big thing, you know, it was, it, was, right. it, was, it, was, it was dark on Friday, but look what happened Sunday, on you know. Sunday. And, exactly. And so, do, you, yeah. do you guys have children at home with you now? Or? Oh, no, we have, well, our daughter uh, is in nursing school up at Texas A&M, uh-huh. and then our son, um, he's a pilot in the Air Force, so they're they're gone. So it's just me and my husband, and um, you know, <laughs> that's, no, that's our all, dog. No, I get it. I get it. I hope you're able to get some FaceTime with them and talk. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that, that even in this time of of uh, being separated and kind of hunkering down in our homes, we can thank goodness for FaceTime and and and. Our computers, we can uh, we can see each other and talk to each other. It's kind of a exactly. I, I, we're going to be a very different nation, I think, even when we come out of this because of some of that. But hopefully, uh, what you're saying is going to be true too. I I honestly think there is room here for for revival to take hold. For yeah. you know, if the church acts like the church yeah. and we reach out and we love people, That's you right. know, not not be a bunch of self righteous ninnies. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like Hey, God loves all people, and yeah. you know we, you know, we need to, you know, He meets you where you are. Yes. And, and share, share our all. share our bounty of tele uh, of uh, toilet paper with the neighbors down the street. Amen. Don't all grab right there, you for ourselves and well, that's and the thing, you know. You right. have all your toilet paper, but well, what are you going to do now? Okay, <laughs> you know, you've got your stockpile, but you yeah. know, what are you going to do with that fear? You're you know. a dear for calling tonight, Leslie. Thank you so much. God bless you and your family, your husband, and those kiddos. Thank you for your son's service to our nation. Aww. We're so proud Thank of you. you. God Thank bless you. you. Thank you so care. much. Bye. Good to hear from Leslie. Maybe you can help me out tonight as well. I'd love to. Uh, and I promise I won't put you on the air forever if you're not comfortable with that. Uh, but Leslie seemed to be comfortable, and she has so much good to share with us uh, about the scriptures about waiting on the Lord and making the object Him the object of our of our uh, attention and Him the object of our waiting, uh, even in this difficult time. You know, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, you know, pray for our leaders, pray for what's going on. God can use this, and I, it doesn't even take a whole lot of imagination to to see that this could be, without a doubt, th- this is. A nation-shaking event. You know, one, one of the things we we often think about was, well, we might have a little old revival down in our little town, in our little city, and a local. But is it is it possible in some way that the whole nation, in a, in a in a very clear, specific way, could turn to God and could that we could see a national turning toward God? And, and you know, I I don't know that will happen, but there is no doubt about the fact that we are now responding and reacting as a nation. We're not just necessarily all these different little states and interest groups and so on. Now, I know that that dynamic is still at work. 
there are still some people trying to uh, appeal to the things that separate us. Uh, but there's no doubt about the fact either that we are now united in at least one very clear and clearly perceived, agreed upon way. We are united in that we are all subject to this uh, COVID-19 coronavirus and its effects. Uh, we're all at risk. We're all take, having to take steps to to mitigate the impact and, this, and to slow the spread of the virus to uh, a greater and greater percentage of our population. So we're all, it's something at least has come a, a, up and is uniting us. Uh, and that that is in and of itself is almost an important step in development, even if nothing else happened. But in that in that unity, as we come together, uh, it could be that God would use this moment to call His people, as Leslie pointed out. Uh, you know the the passage in Second Corinthians, Second Chronicles five seventeen, Second Chronicles five it says, "If my people." Those who are called by my name, if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. So, you know, the judgment begins with the house of God himself. We're the ones. uh, We can't expect people who don't know the Lord to act and behave and respond as if they knew the Lord. Uh, But we we need to get serious about our walk with the Lord. Whether you're a week old as a brand new believer, uh, a month old, a year old in the Lord, or maybe you've been walking with the Lord 50, 60, 70 years, uh, like like an old gray hair here, uh, we need to be serious about trusting and obeying the Lord, praying, and um, just see what God will do. It's He never disappoints, my friends. If you would dare to get serious with God and to seek Him with all your heart and, and, to, and to pray and, and repent of any known sin and that there is in your life that you know about, that doesn't mean just claim and experience your forgiveness, but it all means turning away from it, abandoning that sin. If we would do that, and, and, and it's only going to bring blessing. I, and... and uh, I can't be one that can say, well, I know that it's going to be revival or this or that or the other, but nothing bad ever comes uh, ultimately out of trusting and obeying the Lord. Uh, Only good and blessing. Uh, So maybe this would be that opportunity that we would have as a nation to see God do something very dramatic in the history books in the future would not only talk about a virus called corona, which means a crown, but mainly, maybe they would talk about that God used this time to crown this nation once again, to honor us, to grant us the wonderful gift of revival and uh, repentance and renewal, restoration in him. Uh, we, we certainly, certainly need it. Well, let's get back to the book of Second Samuel. We talked about how the transition now from Saul's reign to David is, is problematic uh, there's a lot of politicking going on. Um, Saul's son lives in the north, and uh, he holds out against uh, David for a long time. And then Ishbosheth is his name. Uh, he gets um, he is killed, assassinated by some of his own people, and and David doesn't honor them. He does the right thing, but then in, then in that context, though God. 
brings him to be king of all the tribes of Israel. Now, uh, Nathan is this prophet. Now, uh, we, we see this, one, this story. It's a powerful story of David. It's probably the most memorable story about David as king beyond his shepherd tales and David and Goliath. But as king, on the negative side, we have when all it is the spring of the year, when all the kings go out to war to lead their, their armies, then David stayed home. And that may be one thing he shouldn't have done. He, you know, idle hands are the devil's workshop, they say. And so David didn't go, but it led him into an experience of adultery, lust and adultery, and then later on even trying to cover that sin um, to taking the life of one of his one of his commanders, uh, and how shameful that is that the king would actually um, be complicit in the, in the death of one of his commanders, one of his generals. Well, there's our music already. We have a listener on the line. That was Jimmy. Jimmy, please stay on the line there. I'll come back and we'll pick you up right after this brief break from The Bible Live. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. Let me be singing when the evening comes. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Oh, we're back! I was hoping that music would go. <laughs> I love that song. The blood will never lose its power. Good to have you back, folks. This is our final segment of the Bible Live. We're kind of working our way through the book of Second Samuel. We've gotten up to about chapter 10, 11 in that realm. But I'm certainly giving a priority tonight to hearing from you, from Leslie and from Jimmy. Uh, I hope Jimmy's on the line with us now. And I'd like to hear a little of your thoughts, um, maybe about the passage. If you there's something in the life of David that, that you admire, that you think is relevant, that's been helpful to you, uh, about patience, about waking, waiting on the Lord, or what God can do in adversity, uh, David is the one who talked about it. The Lord is my shepherd, you know, and there's so many benefits and promises and blessings that come from him being our shepherd, but only only if he's our shepherd. And that's the point of uh, uh, the whole thing is, uh, is, is he your shepherd? Are you trusting in him 
and experiencing his peace, his provision for your life, even in these difficult times. Let's go and visit, if we can, with Jimmy. I hope Jimmy has stayed on the line with us through the break. Hi, Jimmy. Hi. How are you doing? You're so nice to hang on. I appreciate your patience. Well, what's going on in your world these days of the coronavirus? Is there anything there that uh, you're learning or picking up on specifically or especially? Well, I don't. I don't get excited anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't watch the news. I don't watch the news. Uh, no, I've got to ask like, you about that. It, it, that's something that Leslie mm-hmm. Leslie mentioned that as well. That we turned off the TV, and and I have to I have to confess <laughs> I I don't I don't watch a whole lot of TV myself. Uh, I. Yeah, even in the past, I've never watched a whole lot, but I do like stay up with news and so on. But uh, what what do you think? I mean, both of you have mentioned that. I'm wondering why is that something that kind of stands out in your mind? That did you have to make a did you have to make a specific decision just to turn it off and not watch it? And if so, why? Well, it's kind of to me, it was kind of like um, discouraging and. Hmm. And I wanted to focus on God's promises and His healing and all that. And uh, the news doesn't ever mention God in their segments or nothing like that. Only in the Christian radio they do that. Well, I've heard I've heard a couple. That's why one of the things that gave me hope a little bit, Jimmy, is that on even on TV, a couple of the of the of the channels now you from Donna, you'll hear. They're bringing on pastors. They're bringing even some politicians talking about their faith. It is is it is interesting that slowly I think faith is making its way into the conversation, and uh, that's kind of interesting to me. It's kind of hopeful in a way. But anyway, what were you going to say? Well, that, that's that's good because I haven't watched the late, and that's good that they're doing that because uh, do we well, we need to know that uh, even then the politicians they need to know that we need to put our trust in the Lord and uh, and uh, he's everything to me he is yeah he's I'm our not, only hope for, really I, I think we come to a point where we finally realize that he's our he's our only hope <laughs> we no we don't have enough money. <laughs> we don't have enough, all, all of the things that we some, sometimes look to. And finally, we come to the end of ourselves, and we, we, dis, we discover that the, he's all we needed all along if we would just turn to him. Yeah, it really is. Well, what is it? Uh, do you mind if I ask you, is there anything about the life of David, the king? Uh, uh, you sound like one who has maybe known the Lord a while. Is there anything about the life and experiences that what you know of David's life, either as a young man or a shepherd or a warrior or whatever? Is there anything about his life that particularly stands out to you when you think of him? Well, I admire uh, King David a lot. I've, I'm no, I know quite a bit about his story and uh, how God chose him uh-huh. out of Jesse, Jesse's sons. And then... Um, and uh but what what struck me more about him is that he uh God gave him this to be king of Israel and you know he took Saul's place cuz yeah. Saul lost you know, yeah. became disobedient with God but um <clears throat> the way he fell into sin kind of caught me hmm. like 
you know, he fell into sin. You know, he uh, committed adultery and murder and all that. And, 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 well, and those are and those are big. T- those are big time sins. He wasn't caught shoplifting or something. I mean, this is these are these are capital sins. Actually, uh, they're punishable by execution in, under Jewish law. Whoa, Boy, and, it's you know, an amazing he, story. It really is. And, he, and then he suffered a lot. Yeah, you know, he lost his son Absinthe. Uh, Abs- was it Absinthe? Right? Absalom. Absalom. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. you got it. And then his daughter was raped by one of his sons. And, oh my lands, yeah. You know, I mean, he, he he suffered. His heart suffered a lot, and then he lost the, his baby from Bathsheba. Yes. And, and then he was blessed with uh, Solomon, but you know, during all that time, he uh, he he um, he asked God to forgive him. That's right. And, and I tell people that, you know, I tell some people that the story about David, and they, they're surprised that he, could, he did all that because some people don't know that story. Yeah. But, um, you know, he, he, he asked God to forgive him and create a new heart in him and all this. Yeah. And, and, God, and God forgave him. So, so that, that shows that God can forgive Austin. No matter, no matter who you are, where you come from, what kind of life he came from. You know, he can forgive all sins. That's right. And he forgave me. Yeah. And he gave, forgave me where I came from. And, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, I used to party a lot, I committed adultery, stuff like that. Mm. And I was, uh, yeah. I was a good, I mean, I was good. I, I had everything when I was raised up. I mean, my parents provided, we weren't rich or nothing, but my parents provided it. Uh-huh. You know, I, but, and once I left and went to, and I joined the service, I was, uh, you know, I was on the world and traveled different countries. And, you know, I was, uh, I was, a, I didn't think I was a bad sinner, but I was a sinner. And I was fornicating and stuff like that and adulterers. Yes. And I committed adultery and all that. And, and, and I wasn't a good father or husband in the beginning. So, but God took away all those. He forgave me for all those things that I'm a. Today I can tell you I'm a, I'm a, a God fearing man, not perfect, but I'm Amen. a God fearing man, and I, uh, and I thank God for Amen, giving me a new heart and a new outlook in life. So this stuff, this stuff that's going on uh, doesn't scare me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't scare me. It, you know, I, I just kind of the people out there are kind of like see them and I, I don't want them to be scared yeah sometimes it's hard for me to approach them and tell them that yeah. there's there's jesus christ as our savior and he provides you with no fear that's right but yeah but yeah, I, I tell it, people, you know that's one of the most common admonitions in scripture fear not don't be afraid be courageous don't be afraid i'm with you i it's funny how fear is one of our great enemies, you know. Remember what the what was it? One of the Roosevelt was it Roosevelt or what was the president that said what we have to fear most is fear itself. Um, but fear is a, a great yeah, and there's a lot of fear in our world today. And boy, Jimmy, I appreciate your your just your heartfelt personal life experience. It's because we're all been there, you know. I I didn't 
you know, my life experience is a little different. I didn't particularly make any of those particular mistakes that you mentioned. But I mean, obviously, every every person I know, every man I know, we struggle with lust or whatever it is. So I know that the seed of every sin known to man, the seed of that sin, is within me. And given the right circumstances and situation, and you know, you know, I'm capable. I would be capable. And yet God forgave me. He found me and and brought me to the end of myself and, and forgave me and cleansed me and made it just change and transform my life experience as well entirely. And I'm just hoping and praying that that would be the experience of just just so many. Uh, I, first and foremost, that the people of God would be serious about about get serious about following the Lord. And like like Leslie said earlier, you know, don't live for ourselves and be the church, be the salt and be light and be a blessing to our neighbors and our friends and, and live live our faith as we ought. But then that God would use us and in, by his own power just draw many hundreds and thousands and even millions perhaps of young men and women, a new generation of Americans, draw them to himself. That would be Wow, that would be such a wonderful thing, and I, and I pray that God will do that. Uh, maybe He'll use this situation. It <laughs> it certainly got our attention, doesn't it? No doubt about well, that. Well, I know, I know, I, I believe that He will use it for us in mm. this situation. Good, because He's already doing it, but you know, it, it's it's going to be on His time, <laughs> and I believe it for a miracle. That's right. And, I mean, He's taking care of my wife and my um, my uh, family. I'm not very young. I'm like 58 years old. Uh-huh. Well, that's young. To, that's young to me, Jimmy. <laughs> well, that's a relative. Thing, I have grandchildren, and he's, yeah. you know, he's taking care of my family. And we had a good night last night. We we yeah. sat, I barbecued, and then and then we sat by the our little campfire in the backyard. And somebody made a comment because I posted it on Facebook. But uh-huh. I made a comment saying, "Well, I don't see no social distance." I said, "I'm not going to have social distance between my family. <laughs> I mean, we we're, we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's right. And we so my family, we're not going to have social distance. You had a you had a <laughs> hug or two, right? <laughs> yeah. Good for you, Jimmy. Blessings, yeah, many blessings on you and your your sweet family and your children. And I'm so glad you were willing to call tonight and tell us a little bit about you. I mean, you know, we the city is filled with Jimmys and, and people just like us who are with their families. And I appreciate your sharing your experience. It's been a blessing to hear from you. Okay, sir. Thank you. You bet. God bless you, my friend. You can call as well if you'd like. Leslie's called Jive. I'm. I'm having more fun listening to these guys than than uh, I would anything I would have to offer and say. The kind of the scriptures are coming alive through their comments and through their experiences. So if you'd like to give us a call, our phone number is 210-340-9585. And don't hesitate. Go ahead and get on the phone now so we'll have time to visit with you and uh, hear a word from you about what's happening in your life in this time of the coronavirus and the things that are going on in our city. Any particular experience you've had that has been helpful or encouraging to you? Or or maybe there's a question you have about uh, about God, about what it is to know and walk with God, even in a time like this. I would be glad to take your call and, and visit with you a bit about it. This is The Bible Live, and we, our readings this past week have come from the book of Second Samuel. We've been talking about King David, 
uh, all of his experiences. I mean, this is a remarkable young kid, you know, 12, 14 years of age when he was uh, uh, anointed by Samuel that he was going to be the king. And then he went through, oh, man, he had he was a shepherd. He was a musician. Then he had a battle. He fought with this giant, a nine-feet-tall Philistine giant that he faced uh, in one-to-one hand-to-hand combat, and he killed him with a with a slingshot. Um, and, and then he became into the national. He came into the national prominence. He got to be the the king. Uh, drafted him into his uh, into military service, and he was a musician. Uh, musician, so he played for Saul, and uh, he married Saul's daughter. He won the right to marry her in, in battle. Uh, he became best friends with Jonathan, the king's Saul's son, Jonathan. They became good pals, great friends. And then King Saul pursued him and chased him and, and falsely accused him and tried to kill him. Uh, he, 25 years passed before that promise that he would be the king came to came about and all those adventures and then that was just the beginning and all then all of a sudden he has to go through all of these political conflicts and difficulties with uh you know the 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 king who was up in the north <coughs> that didn't <coughs> that resisted him and didn't want to give up Saul's throne and so he had to go through that for a number of years and and endure that and then he had to deal with his general's name was Joab, and Abner was the general of the other uh, king up north, and the, they had their conflict and difficulties. It's just real human situations and consequences that David had to live through. And then then he himself fell into sin, as Jimmy just mentioned, as we just got into talking about um, Bathsheba, uh, the lust, the adultery, and then the failure and the difficulty. But... It is so important that we see what Jimmy just mentioned, that that the God of the Bible is a God of forgiveness. Uh, I remember Jacob used to point out the fact that when they were at Mount Sinai, the, the great revelation, you remember the children of Israel left Egypt and they went to Mount Sinai, and you know they built that, that golden idol, the golden calf, and, and, and uh, Moses came down from the mountain, and he broke the first set of of um, commandments that God gave them. But then he went back up, and, and and God did this amazing thing. He forgave them, and he he gave them a new set. He carved out once more the Ten Commandments, a new set of stones to bring down and give them his commandments. And and I remember Jacob used to emphasize how that was the great great revelation about the God of that that God revealed Himself on, on Mount Sinai, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that He was a God who forgives. He was a God of forgiveness, and, and that is so important, folks, for us to understand and know. God does forgive now. It's just not willy-nilly shallow forgiveness. Oh, I forgive you, like the kind of a doting grandfather. He paid the penalty. He he doesn't just forgive just because. Oh, I can forgive. I forgive you. It just kind of um, arbitrarily. I'm going to forgive you. I'm not going to forgive you. Anyone, anyone who would come to him, humble themselves and broken and repentant, uh, willing to confess our sin and uh, confess our 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 wickedness, our sin. 
God has made a provision. That's what the that's what the Messiah was all about. The central figure of the of the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The main character of the Bible is this Savior, this Redeemer, this Messiah that God promises to send. Way back in Genesis chapter three, and God. It says that Jesus was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. The, the whole design of God was that create this race of humanity, people who could, who are personal, uh, who could, who are no that they we could know God. We we're created in His image, and we could come into a relationship with God, but with a holy and righteous, perfect God, that we as sinful human beings could not come into that kind of relationship. With God, but God solved the problem. He, his Son came, voluntarily came, and entered into our life experience and lived out a perfect life of faith and trust and obedience, submission to the Father. Lived a perfect life of trust in the Father of God, and and didn't act on his own power, his own initiative, his own prerogatives as God. He came and humbled himself, and just simply walked as a man of faith. And God worked in him to to lead him and guide him and enable him to live out a, the life, the role of the Messiah that God had. And then he who knew no sin became sin for us. Uh, in other words, what I'm trying to say is that God just didn't willy-nilly forgive us. It, 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 the price was paid. And what I, I think Jimmy was just saying is sometimes we were harder, and I think John mentioned to me earlier and here in the studio, Sometimes we're harder on ourselves than we are on many other people. We have a hard time accepting God's forgiveness. And you can know that it's not some sort of a shallow, cheap forgiveness. A penalty was paid. The The way God can forgive us is because his righteousness was satisfied. His judgment was poured out, uh, not on us as we deserved it, but the, the punishment, the consequence, the, the judgment of our sin was poured out on Jesus, the Messiah. The, the, he who had no sin became sin for us, and God's judgment fell upon him. And so because of what Jesus did, that's why God can truly say to you, I forgive you. I forgive you. you you're cleansed. You can ha- have a new start, become a new person in Christ, and experience his forgiveness, and God will just move your life forward just just like he did David just like he did all these men and women of the scriptures as as uh, Leslie pointed out earlier they're not perfect people every one of them made terrible mistakes Paul the apostle uh, the apostle Paul the apostle in the new testament was also he was also a very sinful prideful arrogant person and he was responsible for the death of, of Stephen the first christian martyr uh, their terrible sin and wickedness but the the willingness to repent, the willingness to humble ourselves and turn from our sin and trust him for the forgiveness that we have because of his death on the cross on our behalf. And then God has sent his spirit. His spirit comes along to walk with us, you and me and Jimmy and Leslie and John and all of our God's people. God will come along with you and he will guide you. He will teach you and he will empower you and enable you to live the life that he has for you, uh, that that godly life, that, that man of God that he's created, that woman of God that he's created you to be. So that's that's the message of the Scriptures, and I guess kind of both 
uh, Leslie and Jimmy kind of highlighted that to us tonight. We're praying and hoping that God will use this coronavirus uh, moment, this coronavirus uh, crisis, uh, and, and the tension and the stress, that he would call God's people to be salt and be light. Be the people of God. Be the church. And love our neighbors as ourselves. And love each other. And pray for our nation. And all those things that the Bible calls us on God's people to do and to be, that we would get take seriously. And step by step, person by person, we would live out that life that God has for us and that we would see hundreds and thousands and perhaps even millions of our fellow Americans who maybe yet have not taken that step of faith to trust Christ and be, begin a new life in the Lord. Maybe um, touched by uh, our brokenness before the Lord and our willingness to pour out our lives in benefit of others, uh, maybe they would be inspired to trust the Lord and they too can experience all the blessing, the peace, the promises that God has given to us in his word. That's that's the theme of the scriptures. It's a book about uh, God calling mankind to himself to become the, uh, the people of God. He's calling out of the human race a, a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. Forty-three times in the Bible, that expre- that very expression, and many times more, it's expressed in different words, but 43 times we hear that expression, I will be their God, they will be my people. So please, as the people of God, let's, let's get serious about following him, trusting him, obeying him, loving others, and just see what God is going to do. Something wonderful he has in store. For us as his people and even for this nation that was founded and based upon the gospel of his son, Jesus, the Messiah. God bless you, folks. It's been a blessing and a privilege to be with you tonight. Next week, we'll go on into uh, the books of First and Second Kings. And so I hope you'll join with me here on The Bible Live. God bless. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.